0: Reach London Radio. Radio. Broadcasting live. live. Download our app from your app store.
1: Hey, 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 it's your girl Jenny Steele. Started off there with something that I like to listen to a little bit of Bob Marley there, three little birds. Welcome to the Still Got It Talk Show. My name is Jenny Steele and it is Monday. I was going to say nice bit of sun, but we've had it creep in, creep out, the rainfall and the wind coming along. So, you know what? We get in there bit by a bit, we are getting there. So I want to start by thanking my guests from last week, uh, Lisa, Faith and Aaliyah. I have had such a big response. If you missed it, it is up on Spotify right now. The link is in the bio on Instagram at steel, stwle underscore got underscore it. Last week, These young ladies and Lisa gave a really, really good insight as to what it's like to live with ADHD. Uh, in life, motherhood, school, and just navigating through social spaces. Um, Really, really, really proud of them. We've had so much people contact us. Don't worry, that's not the end. There's going to be some blog pieces from the ladies. And I'm also hoping to speak about autism over the next few weeks. So we've got so much more to give. So thank you so much to my guests last week. Going to do my usuals, big up my sponsors, at Groove Score at Juvenes. Shouts out to Winston. I know he likes his props. Shouts out to Richie and Sheriff um, for their support behind the scenes. Big up to management here at Reach London Radio. We love you. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you to all of uh, the DJs and presenters that also support the show and do their reposts. Now, today, we are going to be talking to Ian. How you doing,
2: Ian? I'm good. Very okay. good. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us. So we, over the last few weeks, we've been talking to various people about what is serious youth violence. Today, we are going to be talking about early help and what is early help. So we're going to start by saying to you, how did you get involved in early help services?
2: So, um, how did I get involved? Or, yeah. What, yeah, what
1: made you think about early help as a career or where did
2: you start? So I started off um, my career in uh, probation, actually. So I was in the kind of the statutory um, criminal justice service uh, system. And I kind of did that for about, you know, five to 10 years. And as much as I enjoyed it, there are certain things that you're kind of bound by in the statutory statutory world. Um, And I felt like the abilities that i had and the help that i wanted to give other people might be better served with community organizations and or non-statutory organizations so that's kind of what took me into the early help space yep. um and then i started that uh, just at the start of lockdown um, oh
1: interesting time yeah, to very, start
2: very very interesting time um there was so much going on uh Obviously, families are experiencing unprecedented times. So there was a lot of adjustment of working. But, uh, yeah, it was something that attracted me, like I said, because there's a lot less, uh, for want of a better term, bureaucracy. But it also, like I say, it allows you to kind of help and reach the people that you're trying to work with in a way that has less hurdles.
1: Now, what? because you've mentioned... Mm -hmm starting at the beginning of lockdown Mm -hmm. what was the challenges for you you've just started we were obviously not really able I know like even in my role we didn't really start getting back out until the second after the second one Mm. what was it like to start such a, a big role at such a challenging time
2: it was really difficult it was really difficult um I think one of the main things for me is um, when i'm working with an individual or i'm working with a family to get a feel of that person or yeah. that family yeah and at that time for obvious reasons you you can't do yeah, that so of course. you're starting your relationships you know on the phone, phone um virtual meetings and how you start it is how you have to also maintain it
0: yeah
2: and in difficult times obviously people like to feel that energy of support, whether it's family, friends, organizations. So when things would get difficult, you know, being restricted to telephone calls and virtual meetings did make things really, really hard, but, um, you know, pulled through and uh, we're still able to do some really, really, really important and, and, and effective work during that time.
1: Yeah because I think because everything's online Mm. people would have thought it would have been so much easier like young people online all the time we're all online whether it be social Mm -hmm. media or whatsapp Mm -hmm. or whatever but when we became challenged by that contact it wasn't as easy as whatever not everyone likes being on camera No
2: I'm one of them. Yes. (laughs) So you would
1: know the challenges. I know even for us talking to young people, the camera would be on the ceiling, at the window, or just off. Mm -hmm. And you could understand it. But as you said, it would be difficult to kind of build a relationship around that.
2: It is. Um, And some of the things that you just mentioned, even um, I think it's understanding um, where everybody's at. So where some people, you know, they're quite rigid to say, well, if I can't see your face, you know, we can't continue the meeting and stuff. I think for me, it was understanding what that might represent yes. understanding the point of the journey we're at and yes. how difficult it might be to progress to a point where
0: yeah.
2: not only are they willing but they want to show me their face they want yeah. to have that interaction so i was always willing to kind of roll with that resistance yeah. Yeah. um because i understood exactly what, where what it, it came from the, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and it did more i'd say more often than not it did progress to the point where you know if they weren't showing me their face or, you know, the camera's pointing to the ceiling (laughs) with time, we'd get to the point where they want to have that face-to-face interaction. So that in itself is quite a powerful thing.
1: Yeah, Um, definitely. Definitely. Now, what is early help service? So
0: (laughs) the
2: early help service, um, as per my description would be, uh, I guess it's a partnership based offer for families and young people, um, that seeks to intervene where there's an identified challenge or issue or need for support before things progress to a point where, you know, the family or the young person might be in kind of dire need of help or before it progresses to maybe the statutory um, field, whether that be, you know, youth offending service or social care. Um, It's about early intervention, supporting and trying to kind of change the direction that people might see the situation heading um, in terms of early help there can be referrals from institutions such as you know education health uh, and there can be self-referrals from families um, or professionals that might already be working with the family in some capacity yeah could, could also make um, those referrals and it's about working with them for I think it's an identified period for up to I think about six months okay um, so okay. it's all about a kind of short sharp intense Yeah intervention in the hope that it can empower that young person or the family to kind of build on that work that's been done and then kind of cease the need for you know statutory services further down the line yeah Yeah.
1: okay so what would what does your job involve in all of that because it 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 does sound like a big piece of work Mm -hmm. piece together yeah um a lot of i suppose what we would call mapping Mm -hmm. um to piece everything together so Mm -hmm. what does your what would your day look like getting started?
2: So um, it would come via referral. Um, so I would I'd read through the referral, kind of see where the identified um, areas of support might be. Um, obviously, everything's not going to be um, understood via that referral. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like a guide almost. Yes. Um, so I, I, I read it and I take it um, for what it is, but I also understand that, once I start working with the young person or the family, there's going to be a lot that's going to a lot more that's going to come out that might make that referral look completely different to yep. what I had initially thought. Yes, so yeah, you got to remain open minded once you receive yes. that referral. Yes,
1: um,
2: and from that point, um, you would seek to meet with the family, uh, gain consent, ensure that there's consent to work because, like I say, because it's non-statutory, there has to be consent, yeah. which can be withdrawn from yeah. the family at, any, at time. any time. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then we would meet. So I'd meet with the young person and their family and I'd try and get a feel of, of what is going on, um, where the family are, where they might be heading, where they want to be going. Um, and the first few interactions we have... I'm not really trying to do any quote-unquote work. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to really understand what this family needs, what this yeah. young person needs. What can I do to help? Can I help? And um, If so, what can I do to help? Um, and how can I get this uh, family or young person on board so that we're all kind of working in the same direction?
1: Because yeah. it's not always as simple as uh, the referral we go speak to the family and they go, yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a bit of resistance, whether it be from the family sure. or young person, right? For
2: sure. And that has to be expected. Yeah. It has to be understood, more importantly as well. Um, so I will kind of probe to see where some of that resistance might be coming from um, because it's really important because that resistance could be coming from things like previous trauma. Yeah. And me coming in and saying, you know, and having a hard line approach might be... You know, re-traumatizing yeah. either the young person or one of the family members. Yes. So
1: yes,
2: it's all about kind of understanding it from their perspective. Yes. yeah, and not coming in as somebody who's come to you know prescribe something and say you know we're going to do this, this, this and this. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I make it very clear that I don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, but as we work together, I will do my best to kind of see where um support might be needed yeah. and action that support in agreement with the family yeah. and the wider family because yeah. everybody needs to be involved. Um, I think one of the learning points I took from working in the youth offending service is that a lot of the time if you have a young person who's on an order, the majority of the focus is on that young person. Yeah. But there could be so much going on within the wider family yes, yes, that yes. we're not privy to and we're not, it's not a source of focus for us. Yeah. And so we might be seeing kind of other behaviours from the young person, not understanding where it comes from, but it's also because we don't understand the home environment well enough and we don't understand the current and the previous family dynamics well yeah, enough.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I think that's really, really important um, that we for get sure. to see both sides because what mm-hmm. a young person's going through mm-hmm. and what's going on in the home mm-hmm. can be, as you said, completely different. For
2: sure, for sure. So I think working um, with early help has kind of really drilled home the importance of using like a whole family approach and making sure everybody buys in because if you go in there and the focus is on one person a lot of the time that can kind of leave them feeling like even ostracized to say you know like they're the problem that i have so this you know this random man's coming to quote-unquote fix you know what i mean so i try not to uh try not to kind of create that environment or that feeling and let it be know that I'm going to need buying from the whole family, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, so from that point, what we do is after the rapport's built, that's the really one of the most important, important things parts, for
1: me. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah, for sure. Because without it, it's really difficult to do any meaningful work.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So once that rapport's built, what I also find is that it's a lot easier to have um, more difficult or sensitive conversations. Conversations, yeah. yeah. Whether that's about what's going on or what's been going on. Once that report's built, it just leaves everybody a lot more comfortable yeah. and open. Yeah. So um, at that point, I try and explore. We do some mapping, do some genogram work, get a good understanding of what's going on. We set an, uh, we'd set a plan. Yep. And we would set a plan that is achievable um, first and foremost, and one that everybody's happy Agreed, with. Yeah, yeah, everyone
1: agrees to. Yeah, yeah. not
2: something like oh well, I think this, and this is what we're gonna do.
1: Yeah,
2: um, it's really important that that plan is a uh, collectively created. Yeah. basically. Yeah, and from that point, it's just about me ensuring that I, kind of upkeep anything that I say that I'm going to do yes. um, Because I was going
1: to say how important is your word our words um, as professionals practitioners working alongside young people and their family it's
2: so important it's so important because like I referenced before um, some of the trauma some of these families are faced is via work with statutory or, or, or non-statutory organisations
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so you have to know that there could be some skepticism some apprehensions yep. about you coming in and you know promising the world and then yeah. under uh, you know under-delivering. your words really important yeah which is why i don't ever kind of um say i'm going to do something that i know that i can't it's not yes yeah. yes and if at any point you know it becomes Uh, clear or evident that you know something that we agreed on has changed I'll always let the family know at the earliest opportunity and let them know you know why something might not have have worked out but your word is everything because these families a lot of the time you are the only kind of source of help and support that they have and that they've been crying out for some time so to let them down yeah in any way is just something that I, I can't even kind of yeah. fathom doing. No, I'm with yeah. you on that because yeah. I just
1: feel like we also set up for any other professionals that are going to come in after exactly. us. Exactly. And sometimes, unfortunately, we have that difficult um, problem of going in after somebody yes. who hasn't done the things yes. that, that they should have done or yeah. could have done or, you know, wasn't achievable. Mm-hmm. And then in we come and sometimes that stops us from yeah. getting close to a young person mm-hmm. or family because they've been here before. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's definitely something that we need to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is just following the guide of what this family needs. Yeah. What are they yeah. saying mm-hmm. to us?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. What are we hearing them say rather mm-hmm. than us going in? As you said, we're yeah. not like a tick box.
2: Not at all. Do you know what I, I mean? mean? We don't
1: go in there and go, yep, 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 nope. Yeah. it's it's definitely a lot more than that so i'm i'm happy to hear you say 6 months mm-hmm. as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: cuz there's a it's not an easy process mm-hmm. some not families are open some families there needs to be time spent yes so 6 months is is probably just enough yeah to get started mm-hmm.
2: for sure um and i think like you say when you go in there and um you're kind of just saying as professionals, let's say this, as professionals, obviously, our input, our assessment is really important, and yes. it does count for something. But ultimately, for me, it has to be needs led
0: yeah. by,
2: by by the family. Yes. Um, uh, I think it's easy to go in there and start, you know, pointing out, well, this needs to change, this needs to happen, this yeah. needs to happen. But yeah. a lot of the time, if not most of the time, it's not that simple no. and it's not that black and white no. and you could end up doing a lot more harm than good yeah. in, with that approach.
1: Yeah. So do you work on your own? Mm-hmm. Do you have a team around you? Um, and, or who makes those decisions as mm-hmm. to who's going to get involved with you?
2: <clears throat> so I work um, as part of a team. So yeah. I work as part of a team uh, called Divert, um, Divert Youth, and I have a, a great team actually. Um, so we have uh, different people with different areas of expertise. Yeah. And the way the Divert offer works is, um, if a young person is uh, you know comes into the criminal justice system for the first time, um, they would be referred to our services. And what would happen would be, um, they would receive an assigned mentor, and then I would kind of do the family work, the early help work, right? So, it's really, um, it's been a really enlightening way of working because yes. as much as I've known that kind of style of working is out there, I've kind of yearned for it when <laughs> I've been in <laughs> different roles. Um, so it's been really nice to experience it. Um, and it's everything that I kind of anticipated it would be Um, and by that I mean I work with uh, people who have the same passion as I do which is really really important Um, and I would say that I've always been kind of struck actually by the level of kind of passion and intensity that the people that I work with are willing to show to their young people and families on a daily basis yeah like I, um, i i remain very much in in awe of that and i think what i like about the way the divert offer is set up as well is because we've got so many different people with different um areas of expertise we try to kind of match that with the young person that we're working with and i think that that's been you know uh, a real, real significant reason for the success that we've had yeah. so far.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, we're really thinking about kind of all of that stuff before we even meet the family or before yeah, we meet there's the young a lot of, Yeah, there's yeah. a lot
1: of conversations and, and breakdowns. I think it is really nice to be able to work like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and to see that everyone's expertise is used in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, you know, it helps to get best practice. For sure. Because there's a lot of conversations to be had around... Mm-hmm how to work with a family, yeah. um, as you said, different ways of mapping. Mm-hmm. There might be ways you map to someone else or, mm-hmm. you know, just matching the skill set. Mm-hmm. Because as we said, when, when you do go into that household, there is there could be so much going on for that family. You know, one for size sure. does not fit all, nope.
2: ever. not at all. And I think um, that's something that I've really learned kind of working in this role um, is that, different people have different styles yeah. and I always try and take little bits of people's um, style with, with or without them knowing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be th- watching <laughs> out for this now, Ian. <laughs> Imitation and, and flattery and all of that. But um, yeah, no, I do. I, I try and kind of um, try and imitate the, the, the good pieces of practice that I see because, you know, the, the, the people that I work with are, are, are kind of that talented and skilled and I can see the results of their yeah. work so yeah. i am always of the opinion like why would i not kind of try yeah, and yeah, you know, definitely, take on some of that
1: definitely mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing about teamwork mm-hmm. or you know working in partnership mm-hmm. is that we do take best practice mm-hmm. from someone else i know that one of the things i enjoy about this show and putting it together is that people get to hear all of the different. Services that are within the Mm -hmm. community that Mm -hmm. unless you work in that service or unless you have been referred to that service, you don't know it exists. But you might know someone who needs this service Mm -hmm. and you're now listening going, actually, I might need this or a friend of mine or family member. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just brings me joy and obviously the team that work behind the scenes of this show um, to be able to bring that together. Mm -hmm. And without them, I wouldn't. Yeah. be able to do that and without people like yourself and mm-hmm. i know you and i know how you work mm-hmm. um and it feels really good to have you here talking about your job role especially as a male mm-hmm. um you know the youth services practitioner roles are highly female led
0: yeah.
1: um it's good to start seeing a lot more males in the role i know mm-hmm. that um i had uh jamal c campbell on a few weeks ago and he talked about his role in early years Mm -hmm. as a black male for 20 years um, and how he just wants to see more diverse males in the roles because he what he brought up is something that you don't think about until someone says is Mm -hmm. that a high number of children are growing up with their mum and they're not getting the chance to see males in in school males in early years which is like from three years old to mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. um and how much of a difference and it's true mm-hmm. um the role models for males need to be seen from young hundred percent you know so i mean for you do you think that your industry is something that more males should be looking into a
2: hundred percent yeah hundred with, percent with, without a shadow of doubt i think representation in in all forms is is important yeah um and you know we work um in environments like you said we work with families where a lot of the time the, the And I
1: must say you are a family man. I am. Yes. I am you know, a family you man. You have your your young baby. I did. Um lockdown, so yeah, yeah I know how important mm-hmm. this part of the conversation is for you.
2: It it really is because um a lot of the young people that we work with um I know it's it's always kind of an uh uh, uh easy kind of hypothesis to put forward you know they're missing real male role models and this is why we might be seeing some of these behaviors but the reality of it is that is what happens a lot of the time yeah. um a lot of these young people you know male and female are missing positive um male role models in their life yeah. um and you know it's good that there are uh you know services like early help that kind of seek to um kind of address some of those issues yes. but ultimately I think that representation of having more males in these types of industries yeah. is only going to make the work we do a lot more effective yeah.
1: yeah,
2: yeah. I feel there's only so much you can do without representation at all levels yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very much a big believer in that so it's definitely something that I would hope will continue to kind yeah. of increase over yeah. the years because there's so much Um, importance attached to it that I've personally seen working in these types of fields and getting the feedback from families. Yeah I was going to
1: say what kind of feedback Mm. do you get um, working with these families?
2: So since I've worked in this particular job I think one of the most profound and reoccurring pieces of feedback that I've got is about families whether it's the parents or the young people feeling empowered And that's something to me that, like, it it makes everything worthwhile, makes all the stresses, all of it, it makes it all worthwhile. Because what I've heard is that, you know, they feel like they have voices in spaces where previously they were voiceless. They were there physically. They might have been at these meetings, but they felt, I'm completely voiceless. I don't know maybe what's going on. Or if I am speaking, I don't feel as though I'm being heard. Yeah. Um, Because
1: it's hard for them to advocate. It's hard for any family to advocate for themselves when you come up against a professional service. Because you feel like, you know, these are the professionals. I don't really know what to say. Mm -hmm. And I feel like something that you're doing is empowering them to Mm -hmm. have the voice, be heard. Mm -hmm and get the support in the areas that they feel they need, not where the services are exactly. going to come in and say, like, well, you need this, you need that.
2: Mm-hmm. 100%. I feel as though um, in certain spaces, when it's with other professionals, um, when it's kind of overseen by other institutions, a lot of parents um, and a lot of families that I've worked with have, have shared that, you know, just by me kind of imparting some knowledge, yeah. um, that in themselves will give them something to work with in the future so even if i was in the meeting you know advocating for them fighting their corner that piece of information i've given to them is something that they can take up so as i said before the early helps about kind of short sharp intense intervention but it's with a view to empowering as well because if we don't do that then there's going to be a good chance that family will come back into the system in some way shape or form so we have to leave that kind of you
1: know of course and, yeah. you know be there mm-hmm. to help them get to a better yeah. space or mm-hmm. a better point with things that are going on in their mm-hmm. life than how we met them
2: for sure and i think um the feedback that i get as well from families is just some of the institutions that we you know we work alongside because as i said early helps multi agency is partnership so without that kind of understanding and that approach the offer doesn't work um but then I guess in some of these spaces where there are a number of agencies, I feel as though um, having that information, having that knowledge as a family um, or as a parent is what kind of separates you from being in a position where you're well-informed and you can essentially fight that battle to being in a position when you're in a space with all these other agencies is quite overwhelming. It's quite daunting. And then you get into that space where you start to feel, you know, you don't have a voice and things are being done to you yeah. as opposed to kind of done with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the saddest things that I've heard kind of regularly is families that have actually approached these kind of institutions or yeah. agencies asking for help <coughs> only to kind of be made to feel as though something that they're not doing right or yeah. it's, you know, it, it's, it's more of a them issue. Yeah. I think the work that we do, we kind of try and take that away from them yeah. and let them know that no this is a everybody issue yeah definitely
1: yeah. I, f- I feel like and I suppose we've we've had this conversation mm-hmm. before is that there are a lot of families that have a lot of challenges and some families are doing as much as they can for sure to beat these challenges or mm-hmm. work alongside their family or mm-hmm. their young person and it's not the fact that they're not doing enough
2: No, it's just the all. fact
1: that they need more help yeah. to push through Mm -hmm. the door Mm -hmm. and as you said it's about us kind of supporting them educating them empowering them to say you have got a voice like this is your child yeah you can go up there and say this Mm -hmm. you know you can arrange that meeting Mm -hmm. um and you know for for parents that are listening i think that bit there hearing that from you Mm -hmm. is just as important
2: yeah i i I completely agree um i think that a lot of times at the time that we as professionals get involved with some of these families they almost feel defeated um in a lot of senses and that's because they've been trying so hard but it doesn't feel as though they're progressing anywhere
0: yeah
2: and um i guess just being heard sometimes i think first and foremost um i think the the response to them feeling as though I'm listening to them. Yeah. And then I've done something with what I've heard as well.
0: Yes.
2: I think that's kind of an invaluable experience for, for a lot of families because their experience with agencies up until that point has yeah. been somewhat of the opposite. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think sometimes we... Um, families can be looked upon and say you know oh, it's easy to say oh, they're not doing enough or yeah. you know maybe And I think that's this. the that's, yeah.
1: that's the saddest part I think with a lot of our work with young people and families mm. is that I hear that Mm -hmm. and then I have to say actually no, No, it is not like that and sadly we don't get to see those bits Mm -hmm. on the news, we don't get to see the the hard working parent or Mm -hmm. family, Um, at points it's the grandparent that could be raising this young person, Mm -hmm. there's so much work that they're doing Um, again I feel really grateful to be able to bring these journeys to the air so that people can hear that there are a lot of families that are working hard with their oh, young people. Sure. Um, they just need help,
2: yeah, support. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and and sometimes, as you said, it's not they're not they don't feel like they're getting that. No, and I feel like as a community, we are not we don't accept services very well. No. And I think that goes back mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one wanted social services yep. at their door. Mm-hmm. It was a very scary, worrying time and we would all be like worried about them yep. coming to take away our children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose now those services have evolved and there's a lot more support services attached to those services. But how would people know that those services have evolved if we don't talk about it more?
2: I think you're absolutely right. I think an acknowledgement is always um important which is why i say i try and understand the dynamics of the family both what their experiences have been previously up until the certain date, because that can explain a lot about how they might feel right now
0: definitely
2: so i think those conversations and that openness and that honesty has to be had because it's not a kind of you know sweep under the um rug type no. situation it has to be acknowledged and addressed yeah and that's the only way that you can really kind of move forward yeah and let them know look i understand like you know i empathize with, you, with what you've gone through previously i can only you know work in my capacity in what, what, yeah. to try yeah, and change that narrative do, yeah. and experience yeah. for you yeah 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So if you just joined us, you're in tune to Reach London Radio. I am Jenny Steele. We have Ian in the building talking to us about his role with early Help services um, and his role within the family when it comes to being referred a young person and their family. I suppose it's that whole holistic approach. So coming up after the break, we are going to talk about uh, protective factors that can reduce risk to a child's well-being. And we did touch on um, how important the family support is but we'll go into that a little bit more yep. after this
0: you're locked into the Steel gutted talk show with Jimmy Steele Steel. on, Reach, on London Reach London Radio, Radio. 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 what they say. So-
1: Bob Marley again we're sticking with that that was chosen by Ian so Ian tell us a little bit about Soul Rebel I can imagine what you're going to say but I want to hear it from you
2: (laughs) I just really like the songs Um, I like what Bob's talking about it in it um I always try and listen to music on a melodic one, but then when it's got something deep to say, I make sure that's digested as well. Yeah, yeah. Um and also, um, my little one, Ezra, really likes that song as well. So, so, oh, so it's a favourite of mine Ezra, yeah.
1: we've the big Bob Marley fan.
2: Very big Bob Marley fan.
1: Um I think for myself I just I, I do love listening to Bob just mm-hmm. because there's so much of his music that's relevant to now. Yeah. Um, relevant to last year, mm-hmm. relevant to it's just relevant to the times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think there's so much going on. Um, how could he know mm-hmm. that this was going to continue or go on? Really, really um,
2: visionary. Yeah. yeah. Very, very, yeah. Uh, very and I, visionary. I
1: appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, thanks for that. Sounds oh, there of Soul on. Rebel. So, Ian, listen protective factors. Yes. Um, that can reduce risk to a child's well-being in your role? Oh, <laughs> Big question, right?
2: It's a big question. Um, I think there's a number of factors. So I'll start with the ones that are, uh, I guess, are a bit more kind of well-known and understood. So they would be things as uh, such as, uh, you know, your access to resources, yeah. um, you know, financial um basically financial standing of families um financial standings of of communities and and areas where our our young people live um access to programs and opportunities that give our young people hope and give them focus on something positive as opposed to you know having their heads turned and being exploited by things that are negative.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I think to further that answer, I think protective factors need to also very much uh, be ingrained in some of the institutions that we entrust to look after our young people.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that could be done in a number of ways. I think there's, you know, it depends how you want to term it. I think one of the most recent terms that I've heard is kind of cultural competency. But by that, I mean understanding. young people that you have in your care yes you've been entrusted to look after because it sounds very simple but if that were the case in a lot of our institutions that look after our young people i think that that in in itself would be an immediate protective factor yeah and because (laughs) of the way that um, some of our young people are dealt with um, i think that comes from a lack of understanding
1: yeah definitely I I, I
2: really do and I'd like to believe that some of these institutions do believe that they're doing the right thing Yeah. but when it comes from a place of you know being ill-informed or not well-informed enough about the people that you're working with you can end up doing a lot of damage whether it was intentional or not Yeah. and from what I see of uh, a lot of our young people that kind of pass through some of these institutions is that they are going down that cliche of the pipeline basically yeah and there might be things going on outside of let's say a school for instance there might be a lot of things there are a lot of um contextual harm factors that sit outside of school however if said young person uh kind of becomes socially excluded um or they're dealt with in a way that is punitive as opposed to therapeutic or you know uh, 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 an approach similar to that then what we tend to see is we reduce any protective factors that might be in place yeah. in the first place and we actually add to that risk of contextual harm in a in a really really major way that i don't think gets spoken about often no. enough
1: no no i mean i think a few weeks ago we had a uh, sabrina hiplight and um, talking about we were talking about serious youth violence. Mm-hmm. And that came up then as well, yeah. and I think there definitely needs to be something around, you know, diverse families, yeah. backgrounds, mm-hmm. culture. Yeah, you know, our cultures are different. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I suppose even when we're do working with mentors, mm-hmm. uh, representation matters. For sure, the support that you get now, I think young people are being given that voice. Mm-hmm and they're able to express earlier. Whereas when we were younger, we wasn't, we didn't have anywhere to go and express. We might go on the corner and make two raps (laughs) up with our friends or sit in the park. Do you know what I mean? But now young people have all these different avenues Mm -hmm. where they can voice what's going on for them. And Mm -hmm. and what we're hearing a lot of is, I need to work with people that look like me, represent me, know a bit about my culture because Mm -hmm. then they don't have to explain Mm -hmm why our parents are being a certain way or Mm -hmm. talk a certain way, whether they're from Africa, Caribbean, whether they're Mm -hmm. from Brazil, Portugal, Mm -hmm. Italy, Spain. Um, And I think that that's a good point
2: yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's something that I've 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 seen regularly um kind of working in this role. And just to add, I think it, it, it doesn't always necessarily mean that you know the, the 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 professional that's working with a young person or whatever has to be from the same background no, or whatever, but no. the just understand, yeah, yeah, understand,
1: it's yeah. Really yeah, important.
2: Yeah, really important because I've worked working in this role, I've worked with um families from cultures that I'd never worked with previously. Yeah. And for me I understand immediately, cool. This is a learning process yes. for me. I, yes. I need to understand so that I can basically adapt to work with you yes. to, as effectively yes. as possible. Yes. Because if I work with you in a way where there's some, you know, um, kind of a basis of cultural understanding or misunderstanding, yeah, um, I'm going to do something wrong at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really important that, you know, as, as professionals, we're humble to the fact that. You know, we should learn about uh, cultures of the families that we're going to work with. And I'm so happy to hear you say that. And I'm
1: sure uh, Lisa, Faith and Aaliyah Mm -hmm. from last week Mm -hmm. would just be sitting there going, yes, because it's the same as them talking about having ADHD Mm -hmm. and the differences and working with professionals, Mm -hmm. whether it be teachers, work colleagues that haven't got to understand what ADHD is and what it means for them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's very much similar to what we're talking about now. Is For sure. You don't have to have those needs. You mm-hmm. don't have to suffer from any of those things, but just have an understanding. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um,
1: because as we've learned, some of the ways that we are working with them mm-hmm. or not paying attention, mm-hmm. we are actually knocking confidence.
2: For sure, 100%.
1: You know, and to hear those girls last week talk about the way they're being treated in class mm-hmm. um, from professionals was really hard. Yeah. Um, because we know we ain't going to know everything about everything
0: mm-hmm.
1: but if someone says to you I have this or I'm from here
0: mm-hmm.
1: why can't we just understand that and yeah. I, I just hope that you know over the next coming weeks all of the things that we're talking about the girls and what other people have spoken about right here that mm-hmm. people just get that understanding yeah. of. we need to start understanding each other because yeah. we're not all from the same thing
2: yeah yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think it's cliche, but ultimately our differences are there to be embraced. Yeah. They're there to be understood and embraced. Yeah. And if we're able to do that kind of collectively as a community with all the professionals, our institutions, I think that it would move things on yeah, um, for significantly. Generations
1: to come, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, I honestly believe that. Yeah.
1: Definitely. So listen. Mm-hmm family support yes and I know we're running down of time can you believe it I can't we are running <laughs> down of time how important is the family support around your role and everybody working together
2: it's crucial it's it's, it's absolutely crucial um, I mean the work that we're doing in Divert is very much around making use of that because yes. as as professionals I think you're you're missing a trick by not doing that anyway um because it makes your job easier Mm -hmm. and more effective yes more importantly but also what it does is it allows um us to identify any areas that of whether it's support whether it's healing whether it's just the unit moving together as one because what we do find a lot of the time are disjointed families that we're coming across yeah and what it does need is some level of kind of the family being in tandem
1: yeah
2: and understanding kind of where they've been where they're at where they want to go yeah and a lot of the time it's easy I, I i i used to say this a lot of the time working in like the youth offending service you either focus on the young person or there'd be a few calls to mum
1: yeah that'd be yep. it yeah yep.
2: it's not enough <clears throat> no there's siblings in that house yeah there's a father in that house yeah there's extended family that play an active role in that yes. young person's life yes. they yes. all need to be part of that planning and intervention definitely
1: Mm. definitely and I think it's so important that you raise that um, because it's just not one person and Mm -hmm. even though we are working with that young person Mm -hmm. everybody else is just as important and I think that's why Working with young people and their families through lockdown Mm. became a big challenge because you might have only been working with that young person, but now you've got young person, mum, dad, often grandparents, other siblings, Mm -hmm. and we were ending up supporting each one of them that could have been yeah. 10 people yeah. in one young person's <laughs> yeah. family mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it became really challenging but yeah. what I love and I'd love to say to any families that I worked with mm-hmm. is that it was a joy yes to work with them mm-hmm. like that yeah because everyone understood we are in pandemic yes we are yes. in lockdown mm-hmm. um, these are the things we need these are the things that are achievable but I also feel like my clients' families understood that I had a family yeah and that I had things that I needed to do mm-hmm. outside of their house, mm. um, but also inside of their house. So I just want to say to families that, you know, we pulled it together. Yeah. And for sure. and it wasn't easy. No. We'd never worked like that before. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not.
2: Definitely not, no.
1: You know, and, mm. and and to work with such constraints.
2: Yeah. I think that was um a real reflection of mine from from the lockdowns uh, that started in 2020. I think it was a shared experience because it's something that none of us had been through before. So as much as you might be there, being the professional, whatever, you're going through that same lockdown. You're going through that same pandemic. So all those fears, anxieties, apprehensions, it makes it a shared experience because we talk about it, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about how I'm feeling about it. I want to know how they're feeling about it. I want them to know that we're in this together. That's right. You know, we're going to make it work. That's right. Yeah. That's but, right. I um, can't stop
1: smiling yeah. because I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes. Because I just feel like that's probably the first time mm. everyone or has been able to share, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm this. Yeah. This is happening. Yep. Yeah. I've switched off the tv yep. you know i don't want to watch the news no more mm. um you know and then the challenges of getting young people to understand mm-hmm. about covid lockdown mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. the restrictions mm-hmm. it wasn't something that one family or one person was going through we all all of us had that mm-hmm. together yep. as you just said mm-hmm. and i think that's the one thing that will bring communities together is knowing that we
2: all went through this yeah yeah and i think Ups that downs exactly and i think that 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 openness and that honesty that i had with my families during that time brought us a a, a level of bonding that maybe might not have been achieved now i look back at it yeah. um because we were separate we were doing the um uh phone calls and yes. the virtual so i think that you have to compensate for something to kind yeah. of increase that bond and maybe upon reflection that's something that you know I did compensate I gave a lot more of me yeah. to those families in terms of letting them understand
0: yeah
2: where s- you're at exactly yes yeah. and
1: your situation yeah yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. Mm-hmm. um I think that was kind of like a challenge to come away from that mm-hmm. and to kind of separate now because we're kind of trying to get back into this new normal yes, yes. um of us not being as close
0: mm-hmm.
1: as we were then, because yeah. life was different yeah. last year.
2: Very much so. Yeah. And it's th- funny because things kind of changed so quickly when it first came, and yeah. then now we're going back to the kind of new normal. It feels yes. like things we have went changed quickly.
1: It feels like we went into different realms.
2: Literally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally. And, and and it's kind of understanding what that was doing for me so what that could be doing for some of the families that i'm working with and um yeah i think that that level of understanding collectively from me to them and from them to myself um was a real kind of um firm foundation that we were able to kind of build on and do some work
1: yeah yeah yeah. a good point for us to near enough end up on now listen i always ask people how do you self-care take care of yourself because obviously we're working with people Mm -hmm. um we are dealing with a lot of emotions Mm -hmm. challenges not just for us but for other young people and Mm -hmm. their families Mm -hmm. then we've got the professional side then we've got loads of strategizing how do you take care of yourself
2: it's a good question um i'd probably struggle to answer that um About a year and a half ago, Um, but my self-care is my son um, at the moment um, because I have to be on point to be able to look after him. Yes. Um, And that means I have to have, you know, serenity. I have to have focus. I have to have peace um, for me to be able to provide the same things for him and for me to be able to provide an environment for him that is... Uh, positive and edifying I guess mm. and um so that's my self-care on top of that as well during lockdown I rekindled my passion for kind of playing piano as well Ooh,
1: so love that.
2: yeah that is um a way for me to really unwind um I started kind of picking up some of my old classical pieces and stuff for and um yeah it kind of just puts me in a different space I I think um I do read but when I hear uh, people Kind of describe where reading takes them. I feel like uh, playing the piano does that for yeah. me. So yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, love that! Love that! I hear that about reading. I think it depends on kind of what book. Yeah. What mood? Mm-hmm. There are. I must confess. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I'm not the only one. There are loads of books that I've started reading. Mm um and then gone on something else and something Mm. else but i think also i suppose with the work that we do with young people and families we're always reading and learning yeah um and writing strategies so do you know what i mean so focusing on one book i might see a book that talks about working with boys and Mm -hmm. men or working with girls or Mm -hmm. you know working from with people that have just come from prison or gone into prison long term and i just start writing stuff down (laughs) and recreating programs so you know what there's all these books Mm -hmm. um in my room and and in whatever space i'm in um as a a way of learning but i love that whole piano musician love that hopefully we might get a little song out of you in the near future (laughs) listeners we never know possibly you know what ian thank you so so much for joining us and giving us an insight into early help and what is available for young people and families
2: no problem thank you very much for having me
1: Thank you. So listen, guys, I will be back next week. Make sure you catch us back right here. Stay in tune to Reach London Radio. Remember, you can find me at Official Jenny with an I. Steel or more about the show and all of our previous guests at steel, STWLE underscore got underscore it. We are out. Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Nature London Radio, broadcasting live. Download our app from your app store.